Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. I believe this is the 47th episode of this podcast. That was a deep breath. I'm going to talk about DOA, Dead or Alive. And I'll get to it at the end of the episode. In the meantime, um, I don't have any notes. Gosh, darn it. This is this might be a short episode. In terms of the gaming beat, I haven't really been playing games. I pick up my Switch. I look through my collection. I have a lot of games, physical and digital. And I just don't know what I'm in the mood to play. I, I get into this phase now and then. like Because I was so into Hollow Knight. I, I replayed it for a second time and I... Loved it, and then, well, I already talked about this, but I was on that Coliseum of Fools for weeks, probably, finally beat it, and I don't, I don't know, it, it felt kind of a, a, a release of some sort, it's like, okay, I beat that part, I'm kind of done, and I'm not sure what to play next, um, I actually ordered a, a, a phys- physical copy of Bayonetta, the first one, came out on Switch recently, so I, I'll i probably play that. Um, what else came? Um, oh, I, I purchased a physical copy of Fist, or F-I-S-T, Forged in Torch, nope, Forged in, gosh, Dragnet. Forged in Shadow Torch. And I played it first on PS5 a while back. I liked it a lot. I, I heard the description I heard was like Oh, it it's it reminds me of Final Fantasy VII. Like it looks like Midgar. Even the character's voice sounds like Cloud. The music is like Final Fantasy VII, so it's essentially like a Metroidvania Final Fantasy VII featuring a rabbit. So I played it, and I liked it a lot. I stopped playing, I'm not sure why. And then I saw that the physical copies were coming out, so I ordered one on Switch. Gotta say, I I played it a little bit. I was enjoying it, but it doesn't look great on the Switch. I think, I don't know, I I think I may need a big screen for that, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to playing it um, portably. I'm about to sneeze. Um, So we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll try to play it further. Also, it doesn't seem... um, optimized for the switch and like the fonts i i really thought like well this came out a while ago and they're coming out with physical copies of this i guess they're gonna take their time to optimize it and make it look real good and i remember the first time i played it even though i enjoyed it a lot uh, one criticism was like the the english subtitles were a little off um in terms of like the the words and such but this one like even a simple thing is like the font choice i'm like this doesn't look 
too appealing, too intriguing. I don't know. So I'll I might continue that on Switch or I'll restart it on PS5. So that's all I got for the gaming beat. I only have one movie for the movie beat, and that is Jerry Maguire. Sorry about the chur. Jerry Maguire, uh, Pat Walsh has mentioned it endlessly on his podcast and Joe's We'll See You in Hell. And even recently, they've been referencing it a lot. They mentioned, um, they were talking about romantic comedies and Pat mentioned Jerry Maguire and Joe's like, I've never seen it. And Pat's like, well, talk about a great romantic comedy. And then recently Joe was like, um, Jonathan Lipnicki made the news where he's announcing a, a hiatus from acting. And then Pat made the joke. When did he announce that? 1997, which is funny. Um, so I watched it with my wife. We watched it in, I believe, four chunks. Because between the two of us and our wonky schedules, either I or she would get sleepy. Or we would have net work the next day, so we'd have to stop it. So I believe we watched it in four chunks. And um, for me, the movie didn't really make much of an impact on me didn't really work on me um you know i like tom cruise a lot he does that mugging thing where he like smiles real wide i i i'm slowly realizing that the directors just either told him to do this or that was his trademark thing because i remember kind of weird awkward long scenes of him just smiling in that first Top Gun movie. I'm like, we get it, Tom. You got teeth. And he does it in this too. And it didn't bother me. I'm like, he's just he's just smiling into the camera. Like, I don't know. Uh, but I like Tom Cruise. I think he's a great actor. I like Cuba Gooding Jr. in this. And I like the kind of bromance that developed between the two of them. Renee Zellweger, I don't know. Um, I thought she was fine. There was one scene where she had to like yell. She was in a, a a room with like five people and she had to yell. I thought that was very awkward and came off strange. Regina King playing the pregnant wife of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character was great. But... And, like, I might I might have to <coughs> pair it on me. By the way, I, I changed microphones yet again. So, this time I, I, I got a Rode NT1A. So, I don't know if my voice sounds different, or I, I don't know. I just don't know. So, Jerry Maguire is a 1996 American romantic comedy drama sports film written, produced, and directed by Cameron Crowe. I'm not too... F I only know Cameron Crowe because of his name. I've heard his name a bunch. I, I don't really know his work. And um, 
you know, Pat Walsh always mentions, um, I guess no one saw the the show that I was in, directed by Cameron Crowe, created by Cameron Crowe, Crow. Roadies, I think it was called. And the thing that I keep thinking of is that it's a 90s flick, and I, I was surprised at how cheesy I found it. But, n- like, maybe 10, 15 minutes in, there was, like, five cheesy scenes already. I'm like, man, this is cheesy. This is corny. Um, and I think that might just be attributed to the, the 90s. I think there was a lot of 90s cheesy tropes, maybe. Um... So I don't know. And I kept thinking like like Jerry Maguire is this sports agent. And then so I if you haven't seen it, it's a what 26-year-old probably more movie by now. And um so he gets fired. He writes this like he gets inspired to write this um mission statement that everyone quote unquote comedically call refers to as a memo and he basically says that we should take on less um athletes so we can give them more attention and everyone kind of fakes claps fakes applauds him and then the next day he's fired they're like you want to take on less athletes that means less money that means you're gone so he leaves he gets fired, and then he's like, anyone want to come with me? And Renee Zellweger is the only one who wants to go with him. And I didn't I didn't really see any sort of slow or natural progression between the two of them. I, I didn't see it. And then it's like all of a sudden, let's go to dinner. But it's a, it's a work dinner. It's a work dinner. And then they go back. And all of a sudden, they're, like, making out in front of the house. I, I don't know. I feel like I might have to watch this again, but I have no interest in watching it again anytime soon. It just didn't really work on me. And then, you know, there's just so... I, this is the first time I'm watching it, and I remember all of these quotes from this movie that I, it's the first time I've actually seen the movie in context. Show me the money... Um, you had me at hello, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I don't know. It didn't really work on me. The, it was the ninth highest grossing film of 1996. Film was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr. winning Best Supporting Actor, nominated for three Golden Globes, Cruise winning for Best Actor, and three Screen Actors Guild Awards with Gooding winning Best Supporting Actor. All right. Um, I don't know. Didn't work on me. It was fine. And, you know, I laughed a few times, and J- Jonathan Lipnicki was a funny kid. And immediately after watching this, I showed the trailer to Judy, to my wife. Just because I I, I, I kind of wanted to see Renee Zellweger in another context. Um, 
I think I remember liking her, but I, I barely remember her in anything. She was all in that Bridget Jones, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Oh, wait, that's that's all I have. I'm 12 minutes in. Oh, wait. Damn it. This podcast is a mess. I forgot I clicked on two posts on movieweb.com. Um, so the first one is eight movies that have gotten Martin Scorsese's seal of approval. Have I, have I ever talked about on this podcast, every, every article on the internet has some dumb bullshit, um, intro every, if you look at any, 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 any article posted in the history of time. Like eight movies that have gotten Martin Scorsese's seal of approval. Give me the list. That's all I want. That's all I need. And maybe the people, maybe the bosses are like, you got to put that intro in there. Or this post doesn't have enough text. You have to have more text because of the ads. I I guess that might be the the reason, but but look at, just give me the eight movies that have gotten Martin Scorsese's seal of approval. But no, here's the intro. Martin Scorsese is a world-renowned director, producer, screen actor, and actor. Screenwriter and actor. He made his directorial debut in 1967 with Who's That Knocking at My Door? There's a full paragraph. There's a second full paragraph. And then you get to the list. I don't know if I've talked about it before. It bothers me every time. It's... It's dumb. I guarantee you there's going to be a bullshit introductory paragraph for the next article that I posted on, I clicked on. Number eight, Salvatore Giuliano. I'm unfamiliar with, I'm going to go ahead and assume I'm unfamiliar with most of these movies. The Searchers. Never heard. The Shining, I have heard. Um, that's cool. I want to re. I want to rewatch The Shining, uh, and it's a good month. To, today is October sixth, but um, it's it's a big it's a big undertaking. I don't know if my wife would like it. It's it's a very slow burn. It's a long movie. Um, she doesn't really like horror. But I, I want to show my wife X. I haven't seen X, but I purchased it for like thirteen ninety nine. So I'm going to show her X. Maybe I'll just watch Shining on my own. Number five. Toki Bouki. Um, no idea what this is. This film from Senegal has been praised by Scorsese as one of the greatest African voices in cinematic history. Toki Boki or the journey of the hyena revolves around two poverty-stricken men who change their fate by stealing money and clothing before booking passage to France. Um, related article. Martin Scorsese has high praise for Ty West's X and Pearl. I was enthralled. 
I wonder if Martin Scorsese wants to do horror. I liked um, Shutter Island a lot. And there was a reason why he made that movie. I wonder if he wants... Maybe he, maybe he should do like small little horror movies. Number four, Ugetsu. Based on the book of the same name, Ugetsu is a ghost story period drama set in the 16th century Japan and revolves around peasants Genjuro and Tobe who sell their pots for profit despite being warned against this. Um, I'm not familiar. While while Scorsese has voiced his praise for other films of Mizoguchi like The Life of Oharu and Sancho and the Bailiff, Ugetsu rises above the rest. The Uninvited, number three. I purchased this on the Criterion channel. I still haven't seen it. So I should check that out. Number two, Vertigo. I have not seen it. There's a lot of horror is this article titled horror um scrolling back up no it just says eight movies that have gotten martin scorsese's seal of approval maybe they're including horror because it's october but number two is vertigo number one woman is the future of man never heard of it when old friends reunite in Seoul, the pair set out in search of the one woman that they both had feelings for back in the day. Directed by South Korean filmmaker Hong Sang-soo, Woman is the Future of Man has received special attention from Scorsese for its masterful sense of storytelling. Splinteresting. Next. Okay. I can already see the bullshit paragraphs. There's two paragraphs. I bet it's a rule. Uh, if you're making a list, here's the format. Here's the format. You got to put two introductory paragraphs before that list. All right. Fill it out because we got to get those ads in there. Best pilot episodes in TV history ranked. Producing a TV series takes a lot of time, hard work, and money. Development stages can often take years to complete and therefore suffer some ex unexpected changes. What is the point of this introductory paragraph? Give me the list. I'm not here for your introduction. 10 out of 10, Madman smoke gets in your eyes. You know, I watched the entirety of Mad Men. I remember enjoying it, but I couldn't tell you anything about the show ever at all. Um, except for Christina Hendricks was hot. Um, uh, apologies in advance for that comment. Uh, number nine, The Good Place, Everything is Fine. I watched the entirety of Good Place as well. I admitted, like, it kind of hurts for me to say that I enjoyed it just because some of the comedy is kind of dumb and smarmy. I don't know if that's the right word. But it was a very interest. I was more interested in like the the philosophical journey and the fantasy journey that they were going on more than the comedy because it was a comedy show. And I hated, hated, hated that they made the Filipino guy the the dumbass. 
Uh, now I can't. I don't want to watch anything that actor is in because of his portrayal, and it's it's not his fault. They wrote that character, but I mean, that character was done twice in Friends, in Joey and Phoebe, and that character has is a been a done trope for many years. I don't understand. Like, can you not make an original character? I don't know. Number eight, Mr. Robot. Haven't seen it. Number seven, Orange is the New Black. I'm pretty sure I did see that pilot a long time ago. Number six, Glee. Have never seen an episode. Number five, X-Files. Haven't seen it. Number four, Game of Thrones. That's a good one. Winter is coming. Number three, Breaking Bad. That's a good one. Number two, Twin Peaks, Northwest Northwest Passage. I probably saw that one, but I I think I've only seen the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. Number one, Lost. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's that's a good call. That's a good call. Um. That was a, a a long stretch of dead air. I was just kind of thinking to myself. That's all I got for um the news beat. Twenty one minutes in. That that's that's all I got. So we're on to the movie DOA, Dead or Alive. DOA Dead or Alive is a 2006 martial arts action film based on the Tecmo slash Team Ninja fighting video game franchise Dead or Alive. I'm I'm not really familiar with this franchise. It's a 3D fighting games that began with the original Dead or Alive in 1996. The series received critical and universal acclaim with the sequels Dead or Alive 2 in 1999 and Dead or Alive 3 in 2001, which are considered landmark titles. DOA is the creation of Tomonobu Itagaki, who has since left the company and is no longer working on the series, and which continues without him. The franchise is also known for its female characters. This aspect of the series' popularity led to the creation of the spin-off game Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball and its sequels where the female characters and their sex appeal play a more focal role than it does in the Core Dead or Alive series. Um, directed by Corey Yuen, who I'm not familiar with. Let's check him out. Um, he was an actor... Let me get an image search. No, I don't recognize him. Um, Corey Yuen, he did... Um, he gained fame in American cinema beginning with 1998 Lethal Weapon 4 followed by... X-Men, 
and six of Jet Li's, oh, he's an action director. Six of Jet Li's act, American works, Romeo Must Die, Kiss the Dragon, The One, Cradle to the War, Cradle to the Grave, War, and The Expendables. X-Men, let me, sometimes I, I like looking at the Wikipedia just to see his name, like, a, just to confirm. Maybe he's lying. Um, I can't find his name on the control F. Anyway, Fist of Fury, 1972. He has quite the Wikipedia listing. Um, un I guess it makes sense, but Dead or Alive is the last movie he has directed, according to this Wikipedia page. Let's see what else. Written by J.F. Lawton. I don't know who that is. Let's check him out. Oh, gosh. His screen credits include the box office hit Pretty Woman, Mistress, Blank Man, Under Siege, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, The Hunted, Chain Reaction, DOA, Dead or Alive, Jackson, and the TV series VIP under the assumed name J.D. Athens. He wrote and directed Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. What's that? And Pizza Man. I guess he has some associations with Bill Maher. Wasn't Pretty Woman a big hit? J.F. Lawton. So the the in the film the fighters are invited to Dead or Alive, an invitational martial arts contest. The four female fighters begin as rivals, but work together to uncover the secret that the organizer of the tournament is trying to hide. It features an ensemble cast and has various appearances from characters of the franchise, led by Kasumi. Devin Aoki, Christy Allen, Holly Valance, and Tina Armstrong, Jamie Presley. The film was panned by critics and was a financial failure, grossing only $7.7 million worldwide against a $30 million budget, making it a box office bomb. Due to the film's poor performance, the United States release was delayed and the film was eventually given a limited release on June 15, 2007 by the Weinstein Company under Dimension Films. Despite appearing on several lists of the worst films ever made, DOA Dead or Alive developed a cult following. Koei, Tecmo, and Team Ninja were also critical of the film and decided not to allow any further live-action adaptations of its works, resulting in the cancellation of a sequel. So le let, me s let me really briefly try to do a um, synopsis, and if my head starts hurting, I'm just going to drop it. So at the beginning of the movie, they show these characters... Um, Like they're they're fighting people. I guess it's mostly the women at the beginning. And after they fight people, 
they get this message in the form of some sort of like a bat, a bangerang, batarang. And it says, like, you have been invited to this competition. It's not a lot of it is explained. And so it starts with, like, Katsumi. And then it goes to, like, Tina Armstrong and then Christy Allen. And um, so they all go to this. They, they all end up, like, on a plane. And then the announcer girl on the screen goes, "All right, if you want, if you want to proceed with the competition, you're going to have to bail out now." So they have to grab their parachutes, jump out of the plane. This movie is ridiculous in spots. I will segue into the review now a little bit. I really like this movie. Well, not spoiler alert. I just said it, but. You look at the poster, and the poster looks like it's going to be softcore porn. And that's not that far off of a summary of the movie. Well, yes, it is. They don't show any nudity in the movie. But the the poster, it says DO... First of all, they, they show the text DOA 80 billion times in the movie. I don't know why. It was kind of annoying. But the poster is Holly Valance up in front. She's wearing a, I don't know what, I don't even know what you would call that. It looks like kind of a bralette. It's not a bralette. It's like, I don't know what to call it at all. But her stomach is all showing. Then to the left of her is (laughs) Jamie Presley in a, a cowboy hat. Um, She looks like... She's about to go to a Garth Brooks concert or something. And then Katsumi on the right holding a samurai sword. And that's all in the tagline. They have the looks that kill. Okay. And um, the move, like when I read that this movie has a cult following, I immediately got it. I'm like, yep, that makes total sense. But I really liked it. I think I think this movie needs time, needed time to find its audience and you know, if when you if you watch this right when it came out, I can understand being like feeling this movie's dumb, this movie is ridiculous, this movie is pointless. But watching it now in twenty twenty two, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I briefly want to look at these um, actresses. Let me look at Jamie Presley because she's the only one I really recognized. Um, I know her from like Not Another Teen Movie. Um, Joe Dirt, which I never saw. Horton, here's a who I didn't know. Um, oh yeah, she was on. Uh, she was in I Love You Man, which is one of my favorite movies. She was. Um, John Favreau's wife. The Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. A Haunted House 2. Austin Found. Oh my god. Austin Found. That's rough. There, She is filming a 
according to Wikipedia, the re-education of Molly Singer to be announced. And she was in Welcome to Flatch. I don't... Another mockumentary TV show. Um, so let's look at Devin Aoki. She is a an American actress and fashion model. She was in Too Fast, Too Furious, Sin City. Oh yeah, she was in Sin City. That's where I think I recognize her. I didn't finish Sin City, but I saw the first 40 minutes or so. Um, she was in War, Mutant Chronicles, Rosencrantz and Gilderstin are dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Double Duchess seeing double. Okay. So, she hasn't done much lately, I don't think. She was in some music videos. Let's look at Holly Valance. She is Australian, an Australian actress and singer. According to this, her, this Dead or Alive was her first movie. She was also in Pledge This, Taken, and then a bunch of movies that are not clickable on Wikipedia. Television, the last thing she was in it. Neighbors. She was in a 20... 2022 episode of Neighbors, I guess. So she hasn't done much lately either. So, um, let me try to continue with the... So the beginning was like... I think the beginning of the movie accurately set the tone for the rest of the movie. Like, I think it began with Katsumi... And I'm just going to say feudal Japan because I don't know how else to describe it. And I don't know if that's accurate at all. And also, I was grappling with this um, I don't even know how to describe my dilemma, but feudal Japan, they're, they're all wearing like these soldiers and like these I don't even know how to describe it. Like, samurai clothing. And then I was thinking, do they still have that in Japan? And I don't... I Even posing the question, I think, is I could get in trouble for that. Like, are you that much of a dumbass that you think feudal... But then, like, they they fast forward to... Or they don't fast forward. They, they go over to... Um, Christy and Tina and it's like modern times so I started thinking like do they do they still have those big like castles and mansions in Japan and all this stuff uh, and I do realize this is this is a movie based on a fighting video game so it doesn't really matter but I started to wonder about this and I didn't want to Google it. I wanted to face my fears and, and pose it to the to the world on this podcast. But so they all, all end up on this plane and they're talking to each other. And uh, Tina Armstrong has her dad come, which is funny. 
and they all end up on this island and the three girls have to climb kind of like this tower type thing then they realize if we're going to make it we they have to get there by sundown they're like if we're gonna make it we have to uh, work together and they do so they make it so they they immediately find kind of a a kinship with the between the three of them and the the leader of this so first off i don't i don't like the i don't like the fact that the story is based on a tournament i i think i've mentioned it before because I don't think a story of a tournament is all that compelling or intriguing or interesting. And I know those three words are synonyms. But, like, and, and I, I've said it before too, but Street Fighter, the, the writer, director was like, I didn't want to do a tournament, so I just changed it. And I think that was the right move because it was more interesting where M. Bison was like this dictator, and then you have people all over the world who are trying to get at him, so they team up to fight him. And then Mortal Kombat, like all of the movies are sticking to this weird tournament. It's like, no, there is this tournament. And I just don't think it's interesting. So this movie sticks with it. And it is based on a fighting game. It's like, well... Why don't you just take elements of the fighting game and then just make it into an interesting story? But, I mean, it is what it is. So the, this, it revolves around a, a, another dumb tournament. That's a small quibble, by the way. It doesn't bring down the movie at all. And I think this movie knows. I mean, it treats the source material like it's dumb and silly and it's fun and i think it works the leader of this whole operation is played by eric roberts which is again it's interesting how these movies like um what was the last one blood rain had sir ben kingsley you know and um, Sarah Carter is Helena Douglas. She looks she looks familiar, but I don't know. Um, I'm looking at her Wikipedia page. Not really seeing anything familiar. She has a lot of TV. She was Grace Gibbons slash Cicada two on The Flash. I don't know. I don't know where I saw her from. She was in Smallville. Maybe that was it. But she looks familiar. Um, Natasha Moth. She looks familiar. I looked her up recently. Why did I look her up? Um, oh, she was in... She's She's going to be in Blood... No, she was in Blood Rain 2 and the sequels. So the girl who played Ayane in this movie moved over to Blood Rain 2 and Blood Rain the Third Reich. Um, Kevin Nash, wrestler, looked like a wrestler. 
You know what's interesting is um, Martin Cruz, who I called out in being one of the worst actors I've ever seen on screen in Resident Evil. Somehow he landed a role in DOA Dead or Alive. And immediately when he entered this frame, I recognized him. And thankfully, thankfully, he had a very small part. Um, according to Wikipedia, Cruz television and movie roles include Luis Armour Rodriguez in Dream Team. DOA Dead or Alive as Guy on Boat. So he played Guy on Boat in DOA Dead or Alive. I, I don't know. I mean, it should give people hope. If you, if you want to be an actor, there are plenty of bad actors who get roles. So, I mean, you should go for it. You know. Robin Shu or Shou who was the who was in Mortal Kombat he plays kind of an Asian pirate in this um interesting so like why did I like this movie I just thought it, it was fun and I was going to say that the fight scenes were not bad but as I was watching them, I upgraded from not bad to pretty good. I thought the fight scenes were pretty good. Um, you know, at the end of the movie, uh, Donovan, who's played by Eric Roberts, he, he developed this te technology or he stole this technology to kind of, I don't know, take the abilities or the fighting styles or moves from these great fighters. He, like, downloads them. And then he puts them into this sunglasses technology. And he, he fights this guy who is Katsumi's brother, who everyone thought was dead, but Donovan was just holding him. So he fights him, but through the technology in the sunglasses, he he's able to predict all the moves that he's about to do. So he ends up winning the fight um, easily because of this technology. And he's broadcasting this um, demonstration to all these rich, looked like a bunch of rich white men. And then he addresses them and he's like, I hope you enjoyed our demonstration. Thank you for your down payments. You will now, I will now send you the specs or whatever for this technology. So he starts sending it to them. Then there's this, this nerd character. Um, let me see. Where's Weatherby? Stephen Howie who he's got to be one of the most depressed people on earth because he used to be married to Sarah Shahi. I don't know how he managed to stay married to her from 2009 to 2021, but kudos to you. But 
I think everyone knew that that marriage was not going to last because look at you and look at her. That's all I'm going to say about that. And um, he plays like a nerd in this movie. And he like prevents it from happening. So in the end, there's this big showdown between all the quote unquote good guys versus Donovan. And I don't know, I, I said it already, but I'll say it again because I don't know how to speak. And the only thing I can do is repeat myself. But I think this movie just treats treats the source material uh, like it's a dumb, fun, silly thing. And it, it works for me. It worked for me in a big way. And the effects were pretty cool. And even even though some of the effects were like ridiculous and crazy and wild and weird... To me, it worked because it it was fun. And there is a volleyball scene in this movie between the four hot girls. It it wasn't particularly titillating. If, uh, I mean, it was just girls playing volleyball. They, They don't, like, slow it down or close up or anything. But it was fine. It was fun. And... Um, hold on, I'm looking at the... Sarah Carter had worked with Natasha Moth five times before and with Holly Val- Valance three times. The actors trained together for three months before going to China and trained for another month in China. Training included wushu and kung fu, as well as wire training. The heat and humidity made the fight scenes particularly challenging. Another challenge was translation on set people were speaking English. Cantonese, Mandarin, and the regional dialect of whatever area they were shooting in at that time. Presley had some previous experience with martial arts. Training with her own trainer for nine years, and she had a recurring role in the Mortal Kombat TV series. I didn't know that. Valence had trained in Muay Thai since her teens, and found it made it more difficult to learn Kung Fu as there were a lot of things she had to relearn. Presley praised the tireless work of Corey, Cor- director Corey Yen and the crew, saying the crew worked two units 17 hours a day, getting four hours of sleep and getting back up and doing it again. That makes me happy and sad because I feel like you can see the effort that was made in this. That's why it makes me happy. It makes me sad because this movie didn't get any sort of accolades. It got shat on. Reviews were generally mixed. Rotten Tomatoes, 33% on 46 reviews. Consensus with a ridiculous plot and comical acting. Checking one's brain at the door is required before watching DOA Dead or Alive. Metacritic, 38 out of 100 based on eight critics. Joy Laydon called it a whirring blur of hot babes and cool fights, but complained the film is insubstantial and not even enough to appeal to genre fans with lowered expectations, suggesting it belongs in the video store and on late-night television. He described the film as a caffeinated mashup of Enter the the Dragon 
Mortal Kombat, Charlie's Angels, and a few other films, but did praise Yuan for his show-stopping spectacles and compared an outdoor sword fight, saying it looked looks like a collaboration between Gene Kelly and Bruce Lee. Jack Matthews gave it 1 out of 5 stars, calling it laughably silly. He said the action was curiously bloodless, bloodless and the choreog- choreography was not that good. That's something I did notice. Um, Helena, towards the end of the movie, had this big fight scene with a bunch of soldiers, and she's like using a, a sword to defeat a bunch of them, and there's no blood like at all, which was a little, no, it was not a little, it was curious, it was weird, weird choice, they could have easily add some, added some blood there. Josh Rosenblatt panned the film saying, the most glaring problem with DOA, not that it goes too far, but that it doesn't go far enough, and called the film a piece of garbage and the best argument for reading books since the first pop-up appeared. I don't know what that means. He called the film a piece of garbage and the best argument for reading books since the first pop-up appeared. I, I don't I don't know what that means, sir. LA Weekly gave the film a favorable review comparing it to Charlie's Angels, praising the director for providing one of the year's purest entertainments and pretty much non-stop fighting, mostly in very little clothing, with the flair you expect from a master choreographer like Yuen. It's awesome. <sighs> Gregory Kirschling gave it a grade B and wrote, If you only ever see one bad movie without about warrior chicks who meet on a tropical isle for a fight contest, make it DOA dead or alive. Michael Ferraro called, credited the film with unusual accomplishment of following the plot of the game series it is based on, even including a volleyball sequence, although he is critical there is not all that much plot. He described the acting and dialogue as atrocious and as bored by the action and fighting, but calls the result hilarious and suggested it is the kind of film you might watch with a group of drunken friends adding your own commentary track. Kim Newman gave the film a positive review. This is the best film yet adapted from a computer game. It doesn't even try to add depth, and simply delivers what the fans expect, plenty of ninja babes with as few trimmings as possible. I agree with that. It, it, doesn't, try, it doesn't explain anything. It doesn't try too hard. It's just... It's just fun. It's just plain fun, dumb, silly fun. I think that made sense. Newman wrote, this is Kim Newman again. If I had to pick a game-based guilty pleasure, it would be DOA Dead or Alive. Right on, Kim Newman. Right on. Um, of the performances, some critics were positive about Presley and negative about Aoki. Well, I think Aoki is, is supposed to play like a kind of stoic, serious princess. So I don't, I don't think that's fair. I'm now looking up nightmare movies because Kim Newman is quoted in this. I don't know if she wrote it. Oh, she did write it. She did write it. Um, Nightmare Movies Horror on Screen Since the 1960s. It came out 
May 10th, 2011 by Kim Newman. Unfortunately, the paperback is $53.83, and even the used ones are... The cheapest used one is $49 with a $3.99 shipping charge. Um, it's on Kindle for $18. Bucks. I, I'd be interested in reading this, Kim Newman, but too rich for my blood. Um, so, following the film's poor reception... They, Koei, Tecmo, and Team Ninja decided to disallow any subsequent live-action adaptations of its works to be produced, as a result of which the sequel was eventually scrapped. That sucks. I mean, maybe it is a blessing and a curse, because now we have this 2006 movie that that is there, for people to watch and enjoy and to live in infamy and there there won't be a sequel there'll never be a sequel I think it's a lot of fun I think I think it's definitely worth checking out um so for example I liked Blood Rain but I liked DOA a lot more I thought Wing Commander was fine I liked DOA a lot more um DOA is better than, definitely better than Alone in the Dark, better than um, House of the Dead, of course, better than Silent Hill, and then, I'm not sure after that, but it's on Tubi, it's on, uh, I think it's on a bunch of streaming sites, it's just... I don't I don't think it's one of the worst films ever made at all. I don't agree with that sentiment at all. I th- I don't know how else how else to say it, but I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It it I I don't know if it was trying to be dumb or trying to I mean, at one point Tina Armstrong is fighting Zack and you hear the tweeties, the tweet sounds, the bird tweets, like the tweet, 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 tweet. Like that's, that kind of gives you everything you need to know about the movie. But I liked it. Like, um, I think you should check it out. I, I think it's cool. Let me look at the, as we list of movies based on. I'm already at the 54 minute mark. It's amazing how how much I like to talk to myself. So next is Resident Evil Extinction. And then there's Postal. Oh god. Yui Bowl, but Dave Foley's in it. JK Simmons, Vern Troyer. So that's 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 already interesting to me. Hitman, which I've never played or seen, in the name of the king, with uh, Jason Statham, another Yui Bowl. Far Cry, Yui Bowl, jeez. All right, so 
we have a bunch to choose from. But that's all I got for this episode. That's my chair creaking. Stupid ass chair. I hope this podcast finds you well. I don't know if this... I'm hoping this microphone sounds better. I don't know if I'm speaking too close to the mic or maybe I should back off a little. I'm not... I don't... I don't know what the proper etiquette is. I hope you're doing well. Take care of yourselves and your friends and each other and your families. I hope your pets are well and thriving. If you like Final Fantasy VII, please check out youtube.com slash odddrummergaming. If you like drums and video games, please check out youtube.com slash drumj8. Thank you for listening and say hi to your pets for me.